1: Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have like a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the
0: Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> you talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Aja Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple
1: Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, Blue Wire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm
2: excited to partner with Blue Wire to bring you TE1 a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. What do you
0: think about
1: What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room podcast, brought to you by Deal Dash and BetOnline.ag. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius. Today, we're going to be talking Dion Waiters and Jr. Smith. We just finished up the three scrimmage preseason that they're having in the bubble to get things ramped up. We're going to get going on Thursday, and these are games where you know LeBron and AD don't play a ton. You get a lot of run for your second unit, your kind of third string guys. Get, to get everybody a little bit of minutes against uh, other teams, but very preseason type of feel. But it was the first time that we saw a couple of the new guys, specifically J.R. Smith and Deion Waiters, both of whom put the ball in the bucket, were a lot of fun. Now, again, all preseason caveats aside, the Lakers played the wizards in this most recent game who are the probably the poorest defensive team in the bubble so o- no, there were opportunities wh- wh- to
2: <laughs> let me correct you there my friend they're not only the worst defensive team in the bubble they're one of the worst defensive teams mm-hmm. like ever
1: yes they're they're, they're a bad they're really
2: team. bad defensive team
1: and so it's easy to look good on offense but uh Dion Waiters, at the very least, did not just look good against the Wizards. He looked pretty darn good in each of the games. And even, you know, I think he had a 4-for-11 game in the second one or something like that. You saw the shot creation, right? And this is something that I've talked a lot over the course of the season. And that can be such kind of this vague term that it's really the ability to create and make a shot for yourself or create shot for others, and I've been talking about my concerns about that all year, about the Lakers' lack of ability to do that. We talked a few pods ago about Rondo, right, about the what move does he use on a switch in an isolation. We saw that from waiters. We saw the ability to score on his own, to hit tough shots, to hit pull-ups, to uh, beat guys off of the dribble and get to the rim, even to dump the ball off to a big. He didn't do a great job on skip pass reads necessarily, but... There were, and he didn't handle blitz coverages, particularly what we get into all that. Anyway, I am more excited about this team than I have been at any point this season. I mean, that's a lot excitement stuff. It is, it is. Because I feel like we have every skill set represented now. All of like the big time ones. Like I think every team needs, you can have different combos of stuff. It's still why, I was talking to some friends today, it's still why Kawhi still scares the crap out of me, even though there's some legit holes on the Clippers. Um, th- just that ability to get a bucket one-on-one becomes more important in the playoffs. It's the most and, important
2: skill in it is. the playoffs, yeah. honestly. Like It is. Against a tough defense, you need that single player that can say, no, we're going to go 1-4 flat, or mm-hmm. put me in the post, Right. Throw me the give ball. Me the ball. Just give, give me the me ball. Give me the ball. Yeah, just just give me the ball and I'm going to get to a spot on the floor where I can make a shot. And the higher caliber of player, the locations on the floor where they can hit that shot become more and more varied and varied and varied to to the point where it does not matter where this player catches the ball, as long as he has the ball, he is a viable threat.
1: And and the more and more the defense doesn't matter, right? That's why Kawhi scares the crap out of me because Kawhi makes a lot of there's nothing you can do about that type of shots, right? And so the I look, I'm not trying to oversell Deion Waiters and J.R. Smith, um, but we can see in these games even that their talent is not lacking. Their talent is not the reason. Why? Like, those dudes can play, man. There's no two better basketball players on the open market. Just pure basketball players. And we got both of those guys for free right after and right before Avery and Rondo go down.
2: I would say, too, that their specific strengths are things that we're lacking on this specific roster. Which right? is why
1: I'm most excited. Yes. yes. And,
2: and, you know, they bring. They bring a tool to the table that the Lakers just didn't have, right? Now, you don't always need that tool when you, like, so let's say LeBron is a wrench, right? And mm-hmm. Anthony Davis is a hammer. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? With with a wrench and a hammer, you can do a lot of work, right? Mm-hmm. And you can put a lot of things together with a wrench and with a hammer, Dion Waiters and J.R. Smith, they may be like an Allen wrench, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you don't always need an Allen wrench when you have a regular wrench mm-hmm. and you have a hammer. You're just going to mm-hmm. find a way to put things together and, well, well, anyway. Well, guess what, though? Sometimes an Allen wrench is super freaking useful. And mm-hmm. and, and maybe but, the, r-
1: r- the wrench ain't around. Maybe the, that's not what you have handy, right?
2: And there's just a time where you... Having that tool at your disposal sometimes can mean more than actually having to use it every single time, and mm-hmm. I think that was probably one of our biggest hangups collectively you you and I with this specific team. It wasn't that we didn't think they were good enough; it's right. that it's that at being as good as they were. There were just a couple of things that were just glaring enough that gave you enough pause to say, well, I'm not sure. And that uncertainty gets amplified in a playoff series against another really good team. And the Lakers now have more tools at their disposal. And that is just something that inspires more confidence i think not only in like the fan base or people like you and me who who's who who look at this with with i think like a, a level of like keen observation that borders on like uh, like uh Obsession. maybe we're digging a little bit too deep here right like sure um that said i i also think it gives confidence to the rest of the people in the organization to even guys on the floor when they know it's just like okay well like look at the plays that waiters made in the fourth quarter of games two and three those were some big shots that he hit and the reaction of the guys on the bench the sort of confidence of the players on the floor and sort of watching him work, those things matter. They, Very they, much so. They do not show up on the scoreboard all, all of the time. They're not going to be on the stat sheet. There is not, you know, a column on the right side of plus minus that speaks to, like, confidence, right? Bro, th- let me
1: tell you something about this team. Do you remember we went on an 18 nothing run against Milwaukee that last weekend? who goes on an 18 nothing run against Milwaukee that is a characteristic of this lakers team to be completely freaking overwhelming right and both waiters and jr have some of that just like go off ability right now this can be, this manifests itself on the Lakers in so many different ways, right? You've got all the pressure we put on the rim. You've got the role threats of JaVale and AD and Dwight Howard, three of the best in the game at, at doing that. You've got uh, their perimeter defense can really fly around and rotate, right? They've got, and then LeBron just being able to go nuclear as the the, the king of all of them. Um, but that ability to kind of just go off for four minutes or just take over a stretch of the game. The Lakers can be really overwhelming in several different ways. And while there will be nights where they go, you know, JR goes 0 for 7 from 3, there's also going to be nights where it goes 6 for 7 from 3, right? Or something ridiculous where he really swings the game. And there are so many guys on this team. Danny Green can go off, Kyle Kuzma can go off. Uh, Casey- even Mark KCP can get hot, right? Um that the odds of two superstars plus some combination of those other dudes have, having it that night just seems really high. Well,
2: this was a characteristic of the Lakers' success the entire season. I wrote about this earlier dur- well, 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 during the year and, and sort of called it um, like Frank Vogel sort of playing rotation roulette, right? Because he and... I put this more on Vogel, but I think it speaks to the trait that you're talking about with the actual players on the roster in In that he would often sort of feel out the players on the team, how the game was going, see who sort of had it and who didn't. And he was able to then pick and choose and put the players around AD and LeBron that were going to help supplement them in ways that was going to help the Lakers actually win that game. And more often than not, Vogel made good choices there. Now, we could nitpick a four-minute stretch here, or did this guy come in too late or too early, or why was this guy's stretch so, well, so long? But again, that's us as fans being a bit obsessive about this stuff, right? The fact of the matter is, though, is the point that you're making is 100% dead on in that he could go to Casey. There were games where he did not close with Danny Green, and he Mm -hmm. might close with three guards, right? There were games where it would be Rondo who actually closed because maybe Rondo had it going that night. There were nights where it was Caruso and... Danny Green next to LeBron and two bigs, right? AD and then Dwight, right? And and the Lakers now have all of these different choices, and and the and the group that was already there, granted minus Bradley and Rondo, now have Dion Waiters who. Has a skill set that we're gonna get into in in a second. And J.R. Smith, who has a similar skill set to Waders, but also diverges from him in just in, in just enough ways to make them different players that are complementary still to how the Lakers want to play overall as a group in support of LeBron and Anthony Davis. And that is super important. Like I said this today online that it's been wild to sort of see how Waiters and Smith have fit in to this specific Lakers group already. Like there has been no sort of like growing pains or how is this going to work with these guys. They've been allowed to sort of play their game. Um it's been in Which support is huge. like mm-hmm. it's been in support of what the coaches want to do in the first place. And it's all been sort of seamless. And in an environment where things are not supposed to be seamless and things are supposed to be turned on their head some and there is uncertainty and this is not the normal thing. How important is that? I would say it's very important.
1: It very much so. And the ability to put guys in the position to just be you, man, just do what you do. J.R. Smith's in his 16th year. J.R. Smith is the type of player that he is, right? Like, and so the less you ask him to uh, take himself out of his comfort zone, the same thing with Dion Waiters, give the ball to Dion and go get buckets, man. That's what Dion Waiters does. And so that's not always going to be the right kind of guy. So, Let's take a break. When we come back, I want to talk about Darius's idea of choosing the right tool for the right situation. There's going to be times where Dion and JR are absolutely the right guy for the job. And there are going to be other times where it should probably be somebody else. So we're going to take a quick break and we're going to try to pick apart which situation is appropriate for each guy. Have you ever heard of DealDash.com? It's a bidding site where you can win things you'd never expect at a price you'd never believe. They have over a thousand auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at $0 and only goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is that the auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means that every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer or the item is yours. If you go ahead and buy now, DealDash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign-up, on top of their other discounts. Go to DealDash.com and use the offer code LAKERS20 or DealDash.FM backslash LAKERS20. That's D-E-A-L-D-A-S-H dot F-M backslash LAKERS20. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is finally kicking off this week, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, BetOnline. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, BetOnline sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Horry. See what they had to say on what it's like to be playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit BetOnline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's one word, promo code BLUEWIRE. Bet online, your online wagering experts. All right, so let's start with Dion Waiters in terms of when he should be playing. Now, we saw a lot of his on-ball abilities. I see him as a start of the second quarter, start of the fourth quarter type of guy, especially in the non-LeBron minutes. I think the more minutes... So he can play off of LeBron because he's an excellent spot-up shooter. That's something that we haven't seen much of because he's had the ball a lot. but And we haven't seen him play a ton with LeBron, but he can knock down off of that. But I think you lose some of... You don't need him as much. They can play together, right? Like we saw Rondo and LeBron play together a a bit, but I think you lose some of the value there. So I see Dion's role at its utmost importance when LeBron's not on the court and maybe some diminishing returns because like his defense was okay. Like I haven't loved his defense or I haven't loved J.R. Smith's defense. So there are going to be times where if he's not being asked to handle the ball and you know, cover for shot creation that may not otherwise be there, that that's going to be more important. Where do you stand on what the right time for Waiters is?
2: I definitely think he should be playing with Anthony Davis and not as much with LeBron. So I'm guessing when the seeding game start and particularly when the Lakers start to go into the playoffs, especially in the early rounds, like the first round especially. Um, I would imagine Vogel's still going to do his staggering of lineups um the way that he did during the regular season. And that would I would imagine that early on in the seeding games and maybe in to the first first round, you may still see LeBron come out at like the seven minute mark or the eight minute mark at the end I would imagine Anthony Davis would then play the whole first quarter um Mm -hmm. I would probably sub waiters for LeBron Mm -hmm. you you know like that would probably be my sub subs my substitution or if not for LeBron I would probably like so the Lakers are starting KCP Danny Green Mm -hmm. LeBron A.D., and JaVale, right? Mm-hmm. I would imagine the first three subs are likely to be Alex
1: Caruso. Mm-hmm. I think it should be the first sub because I think he should come in for JaVale. But let's we'll talk about him that, that in a second. So
2: I think the first subs are going to be Alex Caruso, Kyle Kuzma, and Dion Waiters.
1: Because mm-hmm. Dwight doesn't come in until later. You got Morris... Morris is probably later as well.
2: I would imagine. So I would no. imagine at the wrap around, and I think some of those guys are going to wrap around of the course. quarter break, right? Mm-hmm. The guy who's not going to wrap around the quarter break is Anthony Davis, mm-hmm. and that's where I think Dwight comes in, because Dwight and, and LeBron he starts the second and fourth, yeah, because yeah. Dwight and LeBron have a really good chemistry in the pick and roll. You mentioned this a podcast or two ago. Dwight also has some pick-and-roll ability with Kyle Kuzma, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Who he will be a wraparound guy. Right.
2: And then I would imagine that when KCP comes out, it would probably be Morris who hmm. comes in, mm-hmm. right? And so now the identity of your second unit is likely going to be Alex Caruso, some Dion Waiters. Okay. Right, Kyle Kuzma, and then Morris, and then eighty. Look, look, or like LeBron and Dwight. Right, and then Morris is gonna. Oh, the second quarter. Yes, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and then, and and then you're likely going to see Morris maybe come in for like waiters even. Mm-hmm. Right, and I, like ultimately, I think that that's probably the gist of your rotation for the most part. Now, but I do think that you're likely still going to get some waiters' minutes with LeBron, but ideally I want him in when LeBron is out of the game in well, 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 in the right. way that you said. Because I honestly think you're likely going to want to build an offense around two-man game between waiters and A.D., And then you're likely going to want to then give Kuzma some reps as well to be able to, like, get his own, get out in transition, run some wide pin-down action, run some of those horns actions, right? Do a lot of the stuff that you would do. And that's where Caruso, I think, is going to be the glue-some in that Mm -hmm. unit as, like, the other ball-handling guard. So...
1: Also defensively man like you got you know yeah there there are places where that can go sideways It can
2: but but, but the Lakers have made their bones defensively when there's a single big man on the floor right and and so mm-hmm. their best defensive lineups are are almost all built around a single big man right LeBron and Alex Caruso when those three mm-hmm. when those three ingredients are on the floor the Lakers are a monster defensive team. It does not matter if it's if if it's Caruso, yeah. LeBron, and AD; Caruso, LeBron, and Dwight; or even Caruso, LeBron, and JaVale McGee. Although that that trio has only played like fifty something minutes together, but all of those lineups are are boasting defensive efficiencies that are like a hundred and three or lower. And, and wow. so those are monster. Wow defensive units right and and this is where i think that when it comes to the playoffs i'll be very interested to see if waiters shot creation ability offsets maybe some of the defensive shortcomings that i've seen in these three games like waiters is trying out there defensively but he has not necessarily Mm -hmm. been as effective as i would like
1: and these are scrimmages right like these are from a intensity standpoint i'm you know this is my first time and our first time as lake you know with them as lakers seeing these guys but i do think that there's a certain degree of turning up the intensity right as becomes more appropriate and uh this is not the time to you know put the gas pedal all the way to the floor That said, I think that the degree of how much is it worth maybe sacrificing on the defensive end a little with Waiters, I think how worth it that will be will be determined by how well he plays alongside LeBron. Yeah. And I think that that will be one of the big values of the seeding games, right? It's like, look, we got some, we saw the value of Dion Waiters in those non-LeBron minutes and we saw him in those scrimmages, even with the lower intensity and all that, that dude can get a bucket he's a guard he's exactly the type of guard that I've been you know babbling about for months and months and months that's exactly the kind of guy that's why I feel so much better that we've got a guy that can do that but how big his role is is going to be based on his conditioning can he defend you know for longer shifts and can he play alongside LeBron so that's something to keep an eye out for is there a time in the game where you think Dion is like that's really not the appropriate situation for him can you think of talent around the league or situations things like that where he's probably not the guy
2: yeah I think there are definitely times where I'm gonna want Danny Green and Alex Caruso and KCP in the game right Mm -hmm. and
1: I like that trio, by the way. They've played well.
2: No, and, and look, like, on on a certain level, man, dance with, like, dance with who brung you? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, of course. Right? Yeah. And the Lakers' identity has been built off of, obviously, LeBron and AD, but there's been a perimeter toughness and sort of guile that they've played with, there is mm-hmm. a smarts on both mm-hmm. sides Jumping, of the ball. Jumping
1: passing lanes, right. there, Danny Green's help defense. There's mm-hmm.
2: just a lot of that. And you and I have talked about this a ton on the pod, but it bears repeating again. There, in that trio of KCP, Green, and, and AC, they have basically every perimeter defensive skill that you would want as a trio, they have mm. it. Those three. Someone got someone amongst them. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm just mm-hmm. saying that it's just like, what do you want out there, man? You want someone who can defend some at the point point of attack. AC can can do that. Dan, well, Danny Green can 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 do that. I I actually think KCP's gotten better at that this season than he showed in his first two seasons as a Laker. It's still not his strength, but I think he's gotten better. You want guys who can help on like the weak side, both in terms of getting into the paint to challenge shots, but also jumping passing lanes. Um, guys who make the right rotation and are in the right place at the right time. Caruso and Danny Green are two of the better like wing help guys in terms of making rotations and closing out. Mm-hmm. And KCP and... Caruso are very good at getting into the passing lanes and sort of just mm-hmm. being disruptive with ball denials and then KCP's is a great guy in terms of just like lock and trail technique mm-hmm. right and, and so those are all of the ingredients man that you want on your perimeter in terms of saying who is your best or what are the skills that are being represented offensively on Mm -hmm. the opposing team and we have a guy who can get in there and mix it up with those different types of skill sets defensively to try Mm -hmm. to disrupt that
1: yeah that's and that goes to the whole there are endless possibilities man I'm I love this roster I'm I'm so excited about what we've got, man, that we're going to have so many great talks, too, about, you know, leading up to the real games in the playoffs where, like, oh, what about this trio? What about this duo? What about this action, right? And it's just super exciting to have all that at our disposal. You know? Can
2: Can I ask you a, another waiter's question, though? Um, sure, sure. One of the things that I thought was sort of rough about the Magic game was AD going out with that eye injury because that was mm-hmm. a game that I thought where it seemed clear to me that Vogel was going to give like the starters an extended run. And that was going to be sort of the mm-hmm. preseason audition. Right. Um,
1: Dress rehearsal. Mm-hmm.
2: And I really want to see more waiters and Anthony Davis, like, right. Because so AD only played a quarter in the second game. He didn't play at all in this third game. And in the first game, they only played a half. And so he actually hasn't gotten a lot of time with waiters who potentially, if he sort of fills into those Rondo minutes, is going to project to be sort of a key cog in, a, in non-LeBron AD lineups. So talk to me some about potential chemistry where it fits Potential things where you still might have more questions about how Waiters fits with Anthony Davis?
1: Yeah, so I liked Waiters' chemistry with his bigs. <clears throat> when he's driving to the basket, when he's operating on ball screens, uh, I, I really like the pace that he runs the pick and roll with. I think he's a little too willing to sidestep and pull up. Um, that's going to come with the territory. But I thought that he had some nice dump offs to Dwight. Uh, he had, you know, he—I don't remember. I, I don't think he got many, like you said, much in the way of minutes with with AD. But I think AD needs a guy. So what? What are what's AD's offensive weakness? Would you say or weaknesses? And when, this is relative here. This is a superstar player, so not necessarily something he's bad at. But when Anthony Davis does blank on offense, he's average or below average. You can expect an average or below average possession uh, on that play.
2: I'm, I mean, the thing that stands out to, to me the most is when he's got one of those wing isolations where or he's in a sort of a post up and then the double comes and he's looking to make that pass out and making the quick read right away Mm -hmm. like to to me that's the thing that stands out most to me
1: so so how do most teams Mm -hmm. how do most benches defend ball screens and screens most benches Mm -hmm. i would say specifically i would say they switch correct right so they switch and so when defenses are switching we're talking second unit not lebron not on the bench or or lebron is on the bench last four minutes of the first and third quarters which is usually when that happens four or five minutes So, that unit's switching against us on screens. What, before these roster changes, what were our best options to be able to score when they did? Oh, man, you're
2: throwing it to AD in the post against whoever switched on to him. Normally, like a a, a guard, you know, some 6'6 guy, and you're telling AD to go get a bucket. Mm-hmm. And then and what are and then the defense what, what, is going to react. They're going to send extra help. They're going to put mm-hmm. you into rotation in terms of moving mm-hmm. the ball.
1: And and when and how does how does how does AD handle that extra help as a passer?
2: Yeah, not that great. Typically, like
1: he's he's okay, he's okay. Right? But
2: a lot of times, what when I say not that great, I'm comparing him to someone like LeBron, right?
1: But that's what I'm saying, right? Like you're not getting <clears throat> superstar play out of AD the post passer. That is not where he is a superstar. That's right. and But under the circumstances, which is not some made-up thing, that, that exact scenario happens all the time. Yes. That was still our best option pretty much every time. Now it's not necessarily... It doesn't have to be that, right? Because sometimes those little guys that AD switches onto, or sometimes it's a forward, right? Or, you know, there are times... Uh, what's the name of that defensive? Is it... Is it Shake? What's the coverage draymond does this you'd know oh term. scram it's a terminal scram thank you um so yeah they might they're since they know that ad's the one guy yeah out here that we really have to worry about in isolation they're going to scram those screens and instead of it's going to be like ad against a small forward. Somebody six six, six seven, or maybe even a big, right? But somebody who it's not this massive mismatch against. And AD can face up and hit that jumper, but it's not. These are mid-range yeah. jumpers, right? You've got to hit those at a really high clip. And so even the best case scenario, now we, we can do more than just that. Yeah. Right. If Waiters gets we've got one more place where like, oh, Waiters has an advantage. Right. There's we can when we do go to AD, it can be on the more severe mismatches. Right. But it doesn't have to be every time. So that to me, like I actually see that not necessarily in a Waiters comes around the ball screen, loves it up to AD slam dunk. Yeah. Right. It's more of a like we don't have to just rely on AD for something that's very essential in the playoffs. Well, what I would say, too, is think of the
2: lineup construction in which those scenarios were were most frequently occurring, right? And so it might be like a rondo AD pick and roll, right? And um and this isn't to like knock rondo or anything, but the coverage on that is almost always going to be go under the screen, right? crowd AD and then turn Rondo into a shooter. Now, Mm -hmm. even if you do get the switch because AD made good contact on the screen and now there's not a good recovery and the big is switched on to Rondo and let's say Rondo makes a post entry and then he does what he's supposed to do. He clears, right? Because Rondo's Mm -hmm. not going to stay same side and allow the help to come from the big man where they can just switch it back out again. You're going to clear, clear that side. What ends up happening then is the floor shrinks because they're, because Rondo is not necessarily a respected shooter, even if he was showing or that he was capable of knocking down that shot. It's not about the result at the end. It's what the defense thinks of you That right, that, how it reacts. That, that dictates how they play their coverage. Right? And so, against a shrunk floor, then that that often crowded AD's passing angles, right? So when the help did come, then there's arms all all in the lane, uh-huh. and it that's where when you're saying he's he's not a superstar as a post passer, it's because the the threats around the floor were not always there for him to make the killer read. Mm-hmm. where the pass was as simple as it needed to be, right? But sure. if it's Waiters that's making that entry pass, and it's Waiters who then clears, are you going to leave Dion Waiters in the same way right. that you're going to leave Rajon Ron?
1: Like, well, the, the, if I can jump in real quick, like there was also uh, there's also a cutting gravity, right, where Boston did this against us, where Rondo would make the entry pass, and he'd clear... And his defender would stay behind for a moment to put a little bit of extra attention on LeBron or on AD. And Rondo would stop kind of in the dunker stop spot or like kind of right under the basket. But there's this implicit, like, LeBron dumps that off to him. Is Rondo going to raise up and finish over the help defender right there? They're willing to take that chance, right? Waiter's going to use his body and he's, you know, got that craft as a scorer around the rim where like a team like Boston isn't going to leave him on the cut right on the clear out and things like that so so yeah that whole idea of gravity i like some of ad's issues as a passer although he was getting better at this as the season went on but some of his post passes like it's not the guys around him it's balanced stuff in my opinion right but um but it's not it's taking an area where a guy's like okay and then making it harder on him yes Right. Where whereas with Dion Waiters, it's it opens up, up the possibilities on a number of different uh perspectives. So that takes us to J.R., right? JR uh JR Smith had you know, went nuts in this game, hit six out of seven threes, hit several very entertaining threes that you know, those shots that nobody else takes really and, and he makes. Um there's part of both of these guys that have a they have a nineties ish like there's part of the game today. Can I be an old man for a second? There's part of the game today that is so homogenous that it's like paint by numbers basketball yeah. where this is supposed to happen and that. And like it's that way because it's more effective. But there was something I enjoyed about Vinnie Johnson. Like Deion Witters reminds me of Vinny Johnson. Yeah. His game, right? Like just that ability to, you know, uh, shoulder jab step lean back into the left high release point just old man at the y game you know both dion and jr have that so there's some just from an aesthetic my basketball preferences and taste i i love their game right Um uh, but jr takes a lot of those um and, and makes those very difficult shots um he was somebody that i saw a lot of rust on him For the first two scrimmages, not just his shooting in the last game, but I I still saw Russ from a defensive rotation standpoint from a there was a time where he attacked a closeout and he was supposed to attack it middle but he attacked at baseline and like ran into JaVale who was in the dunker spot. It's just like certain things like where if you're playing, you know, like, oh, this is a closeout middle. I attack the closeout middle on this because if not, I run into my teammate and they made they made the most of it. But um, just I I saw more mistakes with Jr than I did with waiters. Um, I, I mean, to what that's what, what, what did you see before we get to no, But talk
2: to me what What you But saw. that's Jr Smith to a certain extent, Mm -hmm. like he is a walking wild card. He is someone Mm -hmm. who is not always going to do the thing that he's supposed to do. He's the Mm -hmm. guy who Mm -hmm. can make the thing that's not supposed that he's not supposed to do successful. Right. Mm -hmm. Like there is, and I don't want this to sound sacrilege or anything crazy. Like there's a little bit of Kobe in JR's game. Like, mm-hmm. like you just sort of see it. And, and he was another sort of preps to pros guard.
1: Yes, he was. Smith is a very talented dude. And, and it's his 16th season, man.
2: He came in the year after LeBron, mm-hmm. right? J.R. Smith's been, he's been around a long time. The thing is about Jr. is it wouldn't surprise me if like he is an instincts player more mm-hmm. than he is a see it and read it player and Mm -hmm. i think that there is an element of of surprise and spontaneity from his game that is refreshing in a way it's it's one of the reasons why he's sort of one of those people's champs sort of players right Mm -hmm. be like because there isn't there there is like like you said that there's a homogenous way that the game is today right and JR is sort of antithesis to yep. that. He mm-hmm. is he is a roller coaster type of player, and sometimes when you're on a roller coaster, you get sick, and sometimes <laughs> when you're on a roller coaster, you know you scream. You have a great time, yeah. 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 Like, like you scream, <laughs> like yells of joy because you're having so like like so much fun, and that is the JR Smith experience. And, and you said it earlier in the pod; he's not going to change. This is who he is. When you get the best version of that, he is going to make shots. He is going to do it with swagger. He's going to, you know, I was going to say ignite the crowd, but in this environment, ignite the bench, right? Yeah. And Mm -hmm. he's going to make a nifty behind the back pass. He's going to maybe make a crazy reverse layup, right? Like there are things that there are, there is an element to his game that is just joyful, and that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. The other side of that is some of what you were mention- mentioning earlier: is that when you're playing at the highest level, there is, there is a rigidity that is needed. There is a sharpness, discipline, and a mm-hmm. discipline that is needed. And when J.R. Smith was helping the Cavs get deep into the playoffs and then win a championship that lone season in in Cleveland in 2016, he he rode the rails tightly enough that he was a positive contributor over the stretch of that. Right? Mm-hmm. The flip side of that is though, is that there are going to be mistakes. There there is going to be a late closeout here or there there is going to be a shift in terms of did he send the did he send the offensive player the right way like is he sitting in his stance in the right direction in order to funnel to the help is he communicating according to the game plan like Mm -hmm. is he communicating on the off ball switch right or on the off ball screen screen action to know that okay this switch is mine like I'm covering perimeter here like on on one of those wide pin down actions is is he going to to mess it up for lack of a better word. And this is why there is there is an innate like I don't want to call it unreliability, but I'll use that term now because like like just because I think it fits, but I think it's more that if you have to rely on him possession after possession after possession after possession to keep making the right decision, the right decision, the right decision, then you might get burned at one of the most inopportune times. Absolutely. And that's, that's where it could be a bit prob- well, well, problematic. But as a potential fifth or sixth guard who you can call in off, well, off of the bench and it's one of those holy shit, J.R. Smith has it tonight? Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. Like that. Not a lot of guys fit that description in that role on a team. That is the thing that he can bring to this team. And if he is buying in and can go a game or two without necessarily playing or maybe getting three quarters of a shift rather than two and a half shifts mm-hmm. and be fine with that, and come back the next game where he maybe is supposed to get two shifts and then he gets them and performs well in those, then look, man, like the Lakers are stronger today because J.R. Smith is on the roster. So when's the the right time to play him? You know, definitely in LeBron minutes, Mm -hmm. right? Agreed. I would probably say actually in lineups where... Where you probably have some of your strongest other players on the floor with him, so maybe a lineup with Alex Caruso, Jr. Smith, Danny Green at small forward.
1: Yeah. Right? So like everybody and, else is really reliable right? Le- defensively, like LeBron, especially LeBron, mm-hmm. Anthony Davis. Right. Like like. Look. Yeah, that could be a yeah that could be a closing lineup either
2: but, even right or like even the- just like that can is that sort of the in-between lineup that gets you to the closing lineup? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like that lineup mm-hmm. that is playing from like the seven-and-a-half-minute mark to the three-and-a-half-minute mark, mm-hmm. right? And then, and then now – KCP it, comes in the game it, or then, something. Then now mm-hmm. you bring back KCP. Or now you bring back – who knows, man? Kyle Kuzma or Deion Waiters mm-hmm. sure. or sure. – or 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 morris or or you go big is dwight howard right like
1: Mm -hmm. right this is a good team man we got a lot (laughs) just hearing all these names man is is exciting a lot of options but 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 when you're talking about like who do you play
2: jr with i think that you probably want to put him around better players you know because so far during the during this preseason what you've mostly seen him in are sort of like these ragtag lineups like he's next to right. Dion waiters it's a little bit your turn my turn right mm-hmm. like um, there's a
1: couple g league dudes out there yeah like
2: yeah. oh like there's like there's kaycock he's gonna rebound for me right that's right <laughs> uh, or or he's gonna come set a ball screen for me right mm-hmm. but I think the best version of him is someone who's going to run off some screens. He's going to, sp- you, you you, know, and, and then basically he might be the first guy who comes off a double screen action, right, where he comes off first and then right behind him is Danny Green or right behind him is Kuz, is Kuz or KCP. And then when that guy makes, makes – catch you might then go into a quick screen and roll action with ad because he was the one who set that screen right and and Mm -hmm. there is stuff that they can run with jr where then after he comes off that first screen then he clears weak side you come back you run a handoff action with lebron and and ad everyone sinks to the dive man and then lebron is over the the top with the skip Mm -hmm. right and you want him in in a position where he's not making a bunch of decisions, and the guys That's are putting mm-hmm. him in position to be a finisher as as a shooter. And if it happens to be a time too where it's just like, oh, it was hot potato possession, and now there's a guy who catches the ball with three left on on well, well, on the shot clock. Jr. could be that guy too, but yep, I'd rather him maybe be that guy within the context of of some of the Lakers better lineups to see if he can Mm -hmm. be a a really really side compliment player
1: yeah it's funny I think that JR is going to be at his best when he's along or or most his most valuable to the team when he's alongside our best players I think that Dion's going to be the guy who's gonna be at his best alongside our our lesser offensive lineups right like i actually think we're pretty well-rounded but when we need he's gonna be especially valuable when like who else do we give the ball to to create a shot against a high-end playoff defense i think he can do that right so that's kind of the the distinction between the two guys but the swish cheese era is upon us shout out to john boy cool on twitter for the swish cheese moniker for these two dudes but uh just really remarkable that we got them when we did in the circumstances that we got them I am extremely excited about what this roster can do lots of possibilities and we're going to get into a lot of them but until then you've been listening to the Laker Film Room Podcast we will catch you guys next time
0: James has got it in low to McHale McHale wants to turn his double team just pass out of front broken up by Worthy Tip to Magic Worthy dies on his belly Magic scores there's Magic got it Magic fires it's anywhere! Gamble in and out, the ball is tipped, and it's saved, three seconds left, here's Van Exel, this is for the win, he got it! Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds, an amazing performance by Kobe. Shot with his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I know Red Arbach is uh, rolling over. Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding it. me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? How strong was that a triple on a fall away in the corner with a shot locked down? Lakers by three. Ryan spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. And the critical part was Pietro's jogging back didn't bounce the floor. It's a two-for-one situation. Kobe Bryant, picked up by Powell. There's the move. Two, one, missing. Unbelievable. Bryant, yes! <laughs> and that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. That insulting injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me?